Welcome to the Learning Reinvented podcast brought to you by myself, Katie Godden. And James Politilo from The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there, so we wanted to do something slightly different. This week, we're taking more of a consumer stance and looking at some of the claims that are out there in the world of work, learning and beyond that maybe you need to be a little bit more cynical of and be slightly more savvy in how you review these. So Katie, this has come about from both over the last couple of years as being something that's really key to us as a business, but also some specific things that have happened recently where we've seen claims or things happening in our own lives that we thought maybe those aren't quite true. Yeah, definitely. I think, James, you've got one really good example of that happening to you recently, haven't you? Yeah, and it's it's one of those that when you look back, it's, it's one of those claims that you should probably sort of research and look a bit more into. But I think in lots of our lives, quite often we're so busy that we take things at face value. So um, the example that happened to us recently is my son, who's coming up three now, has has been in nursery for a couple of years and we've had some concerns over the nursery over that period of time and we've had numerous meetings and we've questioned people and there's been lots of changes of, of management but one of the things about the nursery that they've marketed themselves it's on uh, signs outside the nursery it's on their website they've got pages about it on their website is that they claim to be something called a Montessori nursery now, I'm not going to bore people with what a Montessori nursery is, and I'm not going to get into um, the the pros and cons of Montessori and whether that's a, a good or a bad thing. But it's one of the things we've questioned with the nursery is you've got this claim on your website, you've got this uh, printed on your door, and it's one of the things that you use to market and get people and draw them in. But what does that actually mean that we get as different in the nursery? How are you conforming to those standards, etc.? And we've got some very, very vague answers and we've got, oh, we're working towards it. And we've got people on training courses, etc. So lots of sort of not high quality answers. So it reached a bit of a head in the last month where a new manager has come in and basically admitted they are not a Montessori nursery. <laughs> now, this goes back to my, you know, one of my core values about being straight and direct and not overselling what you do and not misleading people. Now, for the last two years, it's been fairly obvious that is not a Montessori nursery, but it's taken someone new to come in and, you know, sort of admit and hold their hands up that this is not a Montessori nursery. So at this point, I did a bit of a you know, research, which, you know, again, I possibly could have done at the beginning, but that wasn't one of the key factors that made us choose the nursery. It was more around convenience and location. But, you know, looking back and so I looked at the term Montessori and it's one of those that has been around 100 years. It has a certain amount of kudos, but it's an unprotected term. It's a term that can be used by anyone to market or promote what they do. And at one end, there's people who have that signed off by an organization, they're verified, they're checked, they have people who are trained in particular ways, they work in particular way. At the exactly same, you know, nursery could be promoted as Montessori that does absolutely nothing but put it in their marketing materials. And this 
just sort of brought me back to thinking about how many of those things that are promoted and put forward in our working lives or you know even our consumer lives are not exactly honest and genuine and you know I want to make it very clear at this point we are not legal or advertising experts we are just raising this as people who see a lot of stuff go on in the world of work and learning that is maybe not particularly genuine or in my view particularly honest and that really hits my value set and it's like how can I trust someone who thinks that's fair to market that with looking after my son you know and and that what raises some bigger questions about how authentic and honest our organizations are in how they approach things I think it's a really a tricky area as well because I think when you come back to kind of like the working world and like uh, in our industry and learning etc you've got kind of cliche um and kind of trends that trigger these things that are then being marketed like we see it especially when you think about kind of learning technology that's probably a bit of an easier example because you've got quite a few of them where you've got things where suppliers think are really important to the end um customer so you have various different triggers you might have uh things like um uh, integrations and things like that so that might be important but again when you have that deeper dive down does it actually do what you want it to do so i think it's making sure as a a customer you're understanding definitely what you want and asking those right questions and like you said um, previously not taking it at face value because integrations for one customer can mean something completely different to someone else they might have perhaps integrated with one other system and that's all they can integrate with and then using that in their marketing to say look we can integrate but do they actually integrate with the systems that you want to use or something like that you know and i think that's where um you have to uh be really careful when you are looking at products not just learning tech it could be anything as well um, and making sure that you're getting what you need and not just that face value because um, it is difficult to market lots of different things um, and get that across in marketing so I can understand that but again like you found out it's really risky to not market them properly and, and kind of be a bit misleading to the end consumer as well and I think you know we've had a, a whole movement over the last couple of years about openness and honesty and certainly in in the uk for example you know trust in institutions such as the, as the police has been really questioned and i think that honesty of of how people present themselves is really key and you touched upon learning tech and you know learning tech in the uk is coming back in the next couple of months for the first time in in two years and if I remember back to the last learning tech, which was Feb 2020, um, there was a Twitter account at the time, which was effectively going around an anonymous Twitter account, calling out all of the spurious claims by each of the providers in in the arena. So, you know, in the exhibition. So, you know, going around and questioning some of the terms that people apply that maybe don't have that depth. And I think that's some of the challenges that as you said, those fashionable or 
terms that are effectively about jumping on a bandwagon people will label on their products and unless we're a very savvy consumer and understand those terms or question them or really know what we're looking for it's quite easy to be misled by those things and it also becomes if someone else is doing it everyone else starts doing it as well so there's a, there's a bit of a mo you know moment for for the industry about how honest are we and are we actually taking people with us or effectively just trying to dupe people and um, have just have loads of words that, that confuse people into going along with the flow because you can't possibly understand all of those words and all of those things and yeah it might look good on a you know a screen behind you on a really flashy video or on the, you know on social media or even you know on on the design of your stands but what does that actually mean in practice mm. and and i think it's it's really key that we do become more savvy and we do become more di more discerning in, in in the choices we make yeah and i, I think kind of like uh, following on from from what you've just said as well like um, where people are saying stuff as well and, and it might be doing something in a particular way which is great but is it doing it how you're leading the consumer to understand it's doing it for example um, if you've got something that's AI or um, you're you're pulling through lots of great content that's personalized to the end user or something like that is it actually doing it through the technology that's used in the system or is it manual are you using um user attributes you know you know all of those types of things i think that's where it can get a bit misleading as well and i think that's where it's unfair because you're potentially drawing customers in and you're saying look this is great this is what you're going to get but the work that's then put in behind that um, and that's required to actually achieve that can be a lot greater than what you initially thought because you're being told oh look we can supply you with this and it will do x y and z but actually the amount of work that goes into the back of it and it is really great and if one of those pieces of work in the background isn't quite right or you don't upload something at the right time is it going to go wrong and i think that's when it can become really misleading and i think even with like products on like amazon and stuff like that as well you find it i know i think this comes back to kind of like reading reviews and are they valid or not um because you can you can see in those types of products again i think it's similar examples but they they are doing it they're doing whatever it's advertised to be doing but is it doing it in a sufficient way you know what i mean and i think that's where you've got to be really careful and, and kind of as an end consumer really understand what you're trying to achieve and um make sure you understand what the processes are behind that before you kind of purchase anything as well. And I think that's a really good point you raise around Amazon because I think probably at nature people want to trust, they want to believe what they're being told by organisations. Obviously some people are inherently more cynical than others but you know we go to and look at something and it says something on on face value and you know it could be a feature term for a car it could be a feature term for learning tech but we'll believe that those features are the same and like you said diving down behind the detail of those can actually get down to it says it does this but really does it or does it do in the same way as someone else so that's where things become confusing and people like amazon have created a way of trying to make those things easier but again we become cynical about how those things work both in 
is the algorithm that's driving those things right and fair and are the people you know being at the top of the list there because they're on the top of the list it might say sponsored or featured or something along that but then at the other hand you've got people who are gaming the system as well so uh, there was something i saw a couple of weeks ago on amazon reviews where people are lumping products together so they'd found a a feature in Amazon that allowed you to group particular products together. So imagine you had one yeah. product and you had the red and the blue and the green and the orange version. So effectively, the colors pretty irrelevant in in that, but they were lumping those reviews together in Amazon to help the consumer to say, actually, you know, regardless of which color you bought, it might be a separate SKU, mm. but regardless of which product you bought, here are the collated reviews. So certain organisations or sellers had been gaming the system by effectively using that group feature to group together completely unlike products. So therefore, the, you know, you were seeing something and it had, you know, a four and a half stars or five star reviews, but those four, five star reviews for, and I'm not, you know, not got a specific example, but could be for a kettle when actually you were looking at a toaster and it, it just sort of again takes away the credibility and the system put in there by Amazon is to help people work through the complexity but then actually where that system's misused or there starts to be trust elements that come up in there those systems become less credible mm -hmm. and the same thing happens you know right across the piece so it's amazing how many people are shocked that um, things like reviews of learning systems or award ceremonies are actually just marketing and most of them are the reviews are come with a certain amount of payment to those reviewers uh, for placement and you know you pay more you probably get more feature and um, priority the same with um, you know awards so awards you have to you know, often nominate yourself, pay to enter, buy tables at award ceremonies, and lo and behold, you spend a bit more money, you're probably likely to win more often. So I think people are losing trust in lots of the mechanisms as well that are meant to help us navigate difficult and complex procurement or purchasing decisions. Yeah, I think that's something that really shocked me, and I think I was quite naive um, before kind of setting out in the real kind of working world that I, I never realised people actually paid to to go to these award ceremonies. I genuinely thought people were there because they'd done these great things. It wasn't until I started working in that industry when I realised um, actually people are paying a lot of money to to be there and you might get supplies supporting you on that as well. And um, that's where I think and we've had emails as well to us as a company and we're we're a really small company and people have asked us to nominate ourselves. And if we do, we have to pay X amount of money. And I find that really quite shocking because uh, for me, being quite an honest person, I don't really want to enter an award where I've got um pay for myself and then might potentially win. I don't think that that's the right way of going about it. But again, it, it does it does is never really helping the end consumer and I think that there can be things that are positives and you, you can get surprises um, when you're looking at stuff. I bought stuff off Amazon for example and thought it could it's a bit risky it's a bit cheap <laughs> is it actually going to do what it says on the tin and it works out probably better than the actual kind of 
leading product, I guess. But um, I think it all comes back to making sure that you really understand what you want as a consumer and you're really understanding what the actual product it is, whether it's learning tech, something off Amazon, your toaster or kettle, but you're really understanding what you want out of it. Um, and and taking those things with a pinch of salt as well and making sure that if you can test that, test it before you're purchasing the product as well. Absolutely. And, you know, that is that whole review effect that can disproportionately push people to particular, um, you know, products or whatever it happens to be. And it takes me back to a good few years ago. I was on holiday and talking to a restaurant owner about the the impact of TripAdvisor and how, you know, if you got in the top four or five and this was on a small Greek island, if you got in the top four or five, you would get that footfall but to get into that and to to maintain everyone else further down it was just completely differentiating the market it didn't mean those other ones weren't great it just yeah. meant that people were pulled towards the same few places which wasn't necessarily allowing the market to be as vibrant as it could be and i think that can be the same in, in any industry where you know you get a bit of a swell or people are quite savvy at playing the review game or whatever else that happens to be that you suddenly get people taking that because they think that's a the best option without as you said earlier being really discerning as to what's right for those because mm. you know we don't generally have time to go and look around 30 restaurants and 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 look at them all decide which is right for us we'll probably go what's the shortcut because we get busier and busier and that's the challenge now is that those tools that are trying to help us to to take those shortcuts are, are maybe not as great as they could be or producing always the best results for us yeah i think like things like TripAdvisor, um like i always find that one quite a tricky one anyway because it's easier to review something like a restaurant or a hotel because it is what it is like the food's good bad but then when it comes to that you might have different tastes like um for example we went out for my brother's 30th birthday and we went to a two michelin star restaurant in mayfair i thought the food was absolutely banging my boyfriend didn't like it um but you know what i mean like but most people would probably say it was good but again it, it come down to different tastes so I think you have to read the reviews and be subjective and don't take it for that face value of like, um, so my boyfriend might have said it might have been a five out of 10, for example, but I could say it was 10 out of 10. But that's because he didn't particularly enjoy that food, not that it was bad and the restaurant was awful or anything, but um, it wasn't to his taste. So I think it all comes down to that being subjective and again, what you're looking for. Um, and what you're looking out for. And I, I I do think it's unfair that you have like these kind of top four and five, and I don't think that's necessarily right. Um, and perhaps things can be done differently to ensure that you're kind of getting the top ones for different categories, perhaps. Um, so, you, so you're able to kind of see more of a varied review as opposed to just here are the top five based on on what. If you're getting the same sort of people reviewing stuff all the time, you're going to get the same reviews. You know what I mean? You're never going to get any different um, and any changes in that. So it's a really tricky one. I, 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 and I think things like 
we've mentioned this before on previous podcasts, things like learning systems and stuff are so extremely hard to review, um, just using questions and kind of scales and stuff like that, because your business is so bespoke to yourself and you can't just shove a learning system in and it fit and do exactly the same thing and work exactly the, the same way for every single customer. Um, and the same with any sort of learning as well, going into kind of face-to-face -face learners, you might have different learning styles in different organisations, they might want sessions run differently, you know, it's all kind of subjective and down to kind of what those customer needs are. Um, that is really difficult to review on that and I don't think people should necessarily take them as face value and I don't, I never find them completely valid um, because they pe people end up kind of pushing down what's really good about stuff and like focusing again I think this probably comes back to actually all types of reviews if you've got something and you don't like something about it you highlight that bit don't you more than the good bit so you're really going to hone in on on the bit that's not working as well for you um, or something that's gone bad and people don't necessarily shout about the good bits I find unless they're being asked um, and again is that necessarily true or is it because you don't want to upset the person that's asking you I don't know you know I, I think feedback is always very subjective and and you've got to take kind of like those unconscious bias into account and consideration as well um, because that's why we're doing it I don't think you necessarily review things if you were kind of impartial about things I think if you thought things were quite they're fine you're not going to go on and complain about something because it hasn't annoyed you enough but equally you're not going to go and shout about it so it's really really difficult to kind of take things from that I think. Absolutely and I think you've got the challenge of of the credibility of reviews and then the other point we're talking about which is these spurious advertising or marketing terms that people use and one we've seen recently is, and this isn't in learning, this is in the general world of work, but for example, organisations now seem to jump on every particular promotional day of the year, whether that's a particular week or month that's uh, recognising something or championing something. So every organisation wants to be seen as sustainable, wants to be seen as inclusive, wants to be seen as a good employer. So when those particular days or promotional months or any things come along, you see a lot of people promoting their brand around things. So going back to International Women's Day, it was quite interesting to see that on Twitter there was a gender pay bot. So you could check the claims of organisations that were claiming to be very inclusive and putting women first. And you could then verify that by checking what their gender pay gap. Now that applies to the UK, but you know it's a very easy way of seeing people who are maybe cynically uh, just following the crowd and deciding, oh, we we've got to do this this month, so we've got to change the colour of our logo to match this, or we've got to be seen to doing be doing something around this. Where, where it's not necessarily authentically in their business, and it's not necessarily authentically part of what they are. And things like that gender pay bot are, are ways of sort of just surfacing that and and helping us to think more cynically, to be more evaluative, to really think about what's important to us and, and ultimately be more savvy in our decisions that we make. And I think it's 
for us in every walk of life to start questioning the claims that are out there because there are numerous different claims that are happening in the world and numerous different qualifications and accreditations that maybe aren't based on anything and this is something we'll be talking more and more about but I know Katie you've recently come across an example of you know qualifications that are given out to people where maybe those shouldn't be given out or maybe there's a level of concern about should that person be performing in that role so yes some of you may have seen that that i recently uh well not recently but i experienced domestic violence a couple of years ago and then since found out that person is now um uh out there selling himself as a life coach and helping people that have experienced trauma while still on probation so for me that's something that's really really concerning and it's even more concerning that there's companies out there that aren't doing the proper checks to allow these people to then um, get qualifications from these companies to then help people like that I think it's completely dangerous um, and really worrying because you're potentially opening up um, and giving them victims um, and and that's not on and we've questioned it and I still haven't had really kind of great responses back from it it's like people don't care um and it's all about money i think when it comes to things like that now that's a company that seems to be run by um kind of influencers and um that was something that i was going to mention today as well because i think that's that's something that concerns me as well where you've got influencers i know you have to put if you're getting paid for advertising and stuff like that but still they need to understand the impact of potentially selling these products whether it's being a life coach if you're selling soap whatever it is um but that people are going to purchase it but it are the companies and brands and the people behind this who they say they are is it justified and i don't know are you just kind of giving money to things that are bad you know i think it's such a, a kind of dangerous and a, a gray area and it's something that's really unregulated like the example with with my ex-boyfriend and what he's doing in regards to trauma I think that's just completely ridiculous and we'll look into that more but but yeah I think there's lots of grey areas when it comes to things that are unregulated where you need to have kind of valid qualifications because it's at a detriment to people's health and well-being I think. And I, I think that's exactly the the challenge is around you know regulated industries against non-regulated industries and going back to that initial thing where you know of buyer beware people who are there thinking well actually this person's got a coaching qualification that's great they can help me you know and and oh they may be new at this that's fine you know i want to give someone a chance i want to whatever that happens to be but there are so many people out there accrediting coaching qualifications against what standard and, and this is just one example of uh, you know industries where maybe the regulation and control is not as great as it should be and it creates huge risk out there and that as you've highlighted someone who maybe wouldn't pass a fit and proper person test you know if there was such a thing is now performing in that in that particular arena and so it, it should be how do we help people to 
think about if they're approaching any of these things and they're seeing marketing claims how can they work through those how can they really understand how verified how valid those are who's asserting that have they won an award from someone who's actually really checked that or have they just put themselves for a few awards paid for a bit of a qualification and suddenly they look very very credible on paper and that creates a really really muddy and murky market for us all when we're making purchasing decisions yeah because i think it's just just thinking about that there i think like the the previously before the internet and things you'd you'd have word of mouth wouldn't you like if you did something good or provided a service that was great that would be word of mouth people would go and shout about it and they'd go and tell their friends colleagues whatever and that's how you'd build up more business or help build up more business. But I think the internet's kind of opened that and that space is so big that you can now buy Instagram followers and stuff, you know what I mean? Which I think is absolutely mental. But so if you want your following to go up and look really popular, you can buy 10,000 people. You don't know them and uh, I don't know how much it costs, but I've heard of people doing that to promote themselves. And I think that it's it's a scary place. And I, I think that the internet's potentially dangerous to a lot of things, but I think when you're opening, um, opening up and, and having these kind of qualifications, verifications, these reviews, um, followers, whatever it is, and they could potentially be lies. Um, I think if you've got people that aren't necessarily as savvy or a bit naive to that or or new to an industry they're they're looking to get into something you don't know, it, it's a potentially really dangerous place, um, uh, especially if it's things that are to do with kind of health and well-being as well you know um so yeah I think I think that has a lot to play with it um because we didn't have that before did we so no and this is something that's underpinned our business since we set it up is about trying to bring clarity trying to bring fairness trying to create a level playing field it's why often with customers we work with they won't um, you know, if we're helping them on a on a purchasing or procurement decision, they're unlikely to get one of the usual suspects unless that usual suspect or highly marketed company is really great for them. Because mm. we we take that time to really dig down to know the market, to find the nuances of, of what they need for their particular decision. And, and people don't always have that particular time to do that. But as out of the back of that has led us to this view that it's really important to shine a light and, and bring bring more understanding and awareness of where you're maybe being slightly duped as a consumer or maybe buying into something that doesn't have that level of credibility you you might think is there and i know there are certain things happening as well to to try and bring more clarity in certain areas so for example every organization in the world is is jumping on the sustainability bandwagon because they have to really but mm -hmm. you know that doesn't really help anyone differentiate so you might see something like the b corp movement now which is helping organizations put them through a very thorough assessment to show actually in particular areas what are they doing and there's a set of standards and rigor that go behind those things and it's, it's maybe looking at particular areas where we do need some more clarity or more independent regulation. 
again you have to pay for all those things and so nothing of these things doesn't come with a, you know a potential downside but my point is that I think it's it's really critical that we start sharing and raising and challenging any of these terms or practices that are maybe misleading and I'd love to hear from our listeners of of other examples of you know terms that they initially thought actually that must be checked and regulated and later found on it out it wasn't or a claim they bought into that they found out later maybe wasn't as transparent and honest as they thought it was or you know again a particular industry practice that maybe creating a, a false view or maybe lulling people into a false sense of security. I think the more we can share those examples, the more we can build our collective ability to influence and try and change the market. And I know there's going to be cynical people out there just going, that's the way of the world. And as soon as we realise something's happening, they're already doing something else that we won't be aware of till later. But I think raising and discussing those things helps us to change the conversation in a way that it becomes socially and morally unacceptable to do things that are misleading, whereas at the moment it often feels for organisations that that's just part of the game. And I don't want us to come across like we're being really cynical. We're coming from a place where we want an open and, and kind of honest um, place where we can purchase things and um, we can then trust the supplies that we're purchasing from, whether that's in the learning industry or not. And I think if we as consumers change the way that we expect suppliers to work and have that level of open and honesty, I think that changes the game. And I think um, I think you'll get better purchasing decisions being made because you've got that that transparency there that you didn't necessarily have before. Absolutely. And you know what I want people to take away from this episode is that ability to question things, that collective view to share their knowledge with others. So, you know, if we all start telling other people of the things we know about or may be aware of and also validate those claims as well. So where you hear something, is that really true? Um, and, you know, we'll play our part certainly in the learning tech space. So if you're heading off to learning tech in the next couple of months, we will be producing and sharing out a guide to how you approach learning tech. So you can find that on our website and that will be out in the next two weeks. And that will give you a guide as to what you should do in preparation and how you should approach the day itself and also afterwards. And it's something we've produced in the past, but we'll update it for the current environment. But I think it's really useful to have that, those sorts of guides in hand to just help you navigate through the multitude of claims and things that you will face when you go along to something like learning tech. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, just following on from what James has said, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, um, feel free to. And our, our details, as always, are in our show notes below. It's been great to catch up, Katie. And as we've said throughout this episode, this is something we're really passionate about and would love others to to give us feedback on and to share their experiences as well.